If you would open your Bibles this morning to the First John uh, chapter 4, that's not the Gospel of John, that's First John uh, chapter 4, and we want to look over at uh, verse 16 of First John the fourth chapter. It says here, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in God, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now notice with me this word known, and we have known. That word known there is an exact knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. One of the things that God is calling his people into is intimacy and acquaintance with him. He said in the book of Job, acquaint now yourself with him and great good shall come unto you. Get to know him. Paul had a heart to know him. Paul said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul furthermore said, I know in whom I have believed. Paul was intimately acquainted with the master. He knew him intimately. He had exact knowledge of him. You see, in our walk with God, it's not just about cataloging a lot of scriptures. It's not just about attending every seminar that we can come to. Knowing scriptures and knowing God are two different things. There's a lot of people that know scriptures, but don't know God. And so I believe that God is calling you and I into greater intimacy with him. Amen. And one of the things that he wants us to know beyond any shadow of a doubt is just how much he loves us. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. In other words, for this love to be manifesting itself or himself in our lives and for us to receive the benefit of his manifestation in our lives, we must believe in his love for us individually. Amen. I do believe it. How about you? And then we need to get to a place where we say, okay, I not only believe that God loves me, but I receive his love for me. You know, have you ever thought about it in, uh, you know, that great chapter, faith chapter in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, he said, have faith in God, have faith in God. Well, who is God? God is love. So we could just as soon say it this way, have faith in God's love for me. And then turning over to John 17, John the 17th chapter, and uh, notice this verse over here in verse 23. John 17, verse 23 says this, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, or that we may grow, that we may mature in one, 
and that the world may know that you have sent me, amen, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, now notice this last phrase, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. What this is literally saying is the Heavenly Father loves you and loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And when God who is love loves you, you are loved. Say this with me. The love of God, my Father God, love himself, loves me as much as he loves Jesus. You know what that'll do? That'll take insecurity right out of you. That'll take inferiority complexes right out of you. Not only that, but it'll remove sad days, down days, oppressed days, and depressed days right out of your soul when you know that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He's watching over you, and that His hand is upon you for good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So believe in his love and then receive his love. And one way that we receive his love is by constantly reminding ourselves of the verse we just read. That he loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Because you're going to have days where you don't feel that way. You're going to have days where the enemy will point to you and try to convince you that you are a loser. But you are not a loser. He is a loser. As a matter of fact, he is the loser. He lost his place in heaven. Jesus said, I beheld him fall as lightning from heaven. What he's trying to do is he's trying to bring us down to his level. No sense of going down to his level when Jesus raised us up to his level. For he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Amen? So remind yourself of how much he loves us. And then you might one day begin to love yourself. There's no way that we can love our neighbors unless we love ourselves. And love for oneself doesn't come out of the flesh. Love for oneself comes out of the word and the spirit of this word. Amen. So give, uh, you believe in his love. Secondly, you, you uh, receive his love. Now, remember what Jesus said. Freely you have received. Now freely give. God has furnished you and I with the ability to love as he loves. The Greeks call it agape. It is the highest form of love that there is. And this agape kind of love is in you. Look at Romans chapter 5. And notice with me in verse 5. Romans the 5th chapter. And in verse 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because 
the love of God. Say it with me, the love of God. The love of God. Hallelujah. That same love wherewith he loves you, the love of God, the agape kind of love. The love of God is shed abroad in your hearts. Notice it didn't say in your head. If you live out of your head, you'll be sorely displeased with life and with others. But the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, thank God, by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto us. God has furnished us with the ability to live the love life, to walk in love. Tina Turner sang a song years ago, what's love got to do, got to do with it. <laughs> Jesse DePlantis preached a message at one of the Copeland conventions and he preached on what's love got to do, got to do with it. And he said, everything, everything. For it is the love of God that will enable you and I to have success in life. It is the love of God that Corinthians says never fails. If this love never fails and you and I walk in this love that never fails, we're bound to be a success in life. Amen. So believe this love. Receive this love, and then freely you have received, freely give. Now notice in John 13, the 13th chapter of John. And we notice in verse 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you do what? Love one another. Yeah, but I don't feel like it. Nobody asked you whether you felt like it or not. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. It's a quality decision. Wherewith there is no backing off, there is no retreat. This is not the great suggestion. This is the great commandment. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Read verse 35 with me. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Hallelujah. One person said this many years ago that the selfish life is the empty life. The self-centered life is the miserable life. But the giving life is the fulfilling life. The unselfish life or the, the unselfish life is the satisfying life. Amen. So if you want to be satisfied in life, walk in love. The Lord gave me a, a few things the other day, and he said this in my spirit: that love sees the best. Love believes the best, and love speaks the best. Number one, love sees the best. We ought to pray that we, be, that we would be able to see 
people through the Father's eyes. Help us, Lord, to see my brothers and sisters, to see people the way that you see them. And God sees people as tens. Certainly, he doesn't like everything about what people are doing, but he loves people. He loves everybody. Number two, love believes the best. Well, I know better. Well, hush up. Don't talk about what you know better about. Just act on the word. Love believes the best. Believe. Did you know that there's something good about everybody? Sometimes you got to look very hard to find it. But it is there. And it doesn't do us any good to cut people down. It doesn't do us any good to be critical of others. It doesn't do us any good to judge someone else. Why? Because with the same measure that you judge others, you will be judged. So love then, praise the Lord, say it with me, love, love. sees the best. Love uh, believes the best. Now this one, love speaks the best. Love speaks the best. And here's the thought I had. If we're going to walk in love, we must watch our words. Walking in love, watching your words. And uh, the scripture that I have for you is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. So let's, let's look over there. 1 Peter 3.10. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter 3.10. He that will love life. How many of you love life? He that will love life. And see what kind of days? Well, that's all of us. There wouldn't be anybody in this auditorium that said, Well, I, I, I hate life. I don't want to see good days. I'd rather live in the hospital. No. He that would love life and see good days. Good days. Hallelujah. Those aren't good days. When you're sitting there in the hospital. Those aren't good days. When you can hardly get out of bed. If we're going to see good days and love life. Notice the rest of this verse now. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips that they speak no guile. Do our words matter? How much do our words matter? It's a matter of death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now go over to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And notice verse 29. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Now, we're going to read this together. I don't have my Amplified with me. So let's read. And I want you to do well today. When I count to three, every eye open, every mouth open, 
speaking God's word in unison. One, two, three. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace God's favor. Let the word of God speak for itself. So, see the best, speak the best, and speak the best. Now, one way that you and I can give love is to forgive. Look with me in Mark 11, and we referred to it earlier, but let's, let's look at it for just a moment. Mark 11, verses 22 and 23. This is the inevitable law of faith. How many of you know that faith works when you work it right? Amen. Hallelujah. Mark eleven twenty-two. Are you there? And Jesus answering saith unto him, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So Jesus is saying here that your faith will work by saying by believing and saying, your faith will work. It'll move mountains. Amen? Amen? But now in verse 24, he says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and what? And you shall have them. So in these two verses, Jesus points out to us that faith will work by saying in verse 23, but also faith will work by praying. Amen. That's wonderful. Isn't it? But then the full context of this verse, you've got to read verse 25 and verse 26 to be able to cash in, if you will, or to receive the benefit of what you say and what you pray. Because if you don't act on verse 25 and verse 26, what you say and what you pray will not work. In verse 25, he said this, And when you stand praying, we could say it this way, And when you stand saying, Forgive. If you have aught against any that your father may also forgive, that your father which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now that, that word ought there in verse 25, let's go back there. That word ought, if you have an ought in your heart or you're holding a grudge against someone, someone has mistreated you, Someone has said bad things about you and you have ought in your heart. Jesus said you need to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, that ought that you have in your heart can turn into a root of bitterness. 
And when that ought turns into a root of bitterness, Hebrews says, thereby many people will be defiled or poisoned. In other words, it's not a, it's not a good thing to allow bitterness to stay in your soul. It's not a good thing to hold on to a grudge. It's a bad thing. And listen very carefully. The longer that a person holds on to a grudge and to bitterness, the more difficult it will be for them to forgive. We need to be quick to repent and quick to forgive. Say it with me. Quick to repent and quick to forgive. Hallelujah. Andy Stanley says this forgiveness is simply a decision to cancel a debt. Amen. Unforgiveness gives place to the enemy. It is a door through which the enemy can enter. Where confusion and strife is, there is every evil work. If you want the enemy to be present in your home, just hold on to strife and unforgiveness. One person said this, strife and unforgiveness is the manifest presence of the evil one. Nobody wants that. Mighty quiet in this Holy Ghost church. Dad Hagen said this, he said, anytime you're feeling mistreated, you know that the devil's working on you. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I realize that God can never bless us on the lines of being hard-hearted, critical, or unforgiving. This will hinder faith quicker than anything would. He said, I believe, now listen to this statement. I believe there are a great many people who would be healed, but they're harboring things in their heart. And he goes on to say, let those things go. There are many good people that mean well, but they have no power to do anything for God. There's just some little thing that came in their hearts years ago and their faith has been paralyzed. Think about that. In in some cases, not every case, you understand, but in some cases, all that stands between a miracle in their body and a manifestation of healing power is them just to let it go. And when you let things go and you let people go, you're doing yourself more benefit than you are them. If we hold on to grudges and unforgiveness, what happens? We allow those things and those people really to control our lives. Hallelujah. Look with me in Galatians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to take a pull of water. Is that all right? You know, water does a body good. Galatians, the fifth chapter. How many of you want your faith to work? You know, whenever I've gotten into one of these deals where the Spirit of the Lord convicts me and says, uh, you shouldn't have said that. Uh, You shouldn't have done that. And the conviction came from the Holy Spirit. I like to get rid of that as soon as I possibly can. 
The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We can't afford it. Galatians, the fifth chapter and the sixth verse. Notice this verse. This is a great verse here. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. If your faith isn't working, mountains aren't moving, check your love walk. Check your love walk. Amen? Amen. So when you've been done wrong, God has given us the ability to forgive. Look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 31, 32, right on through Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. And I think we'll go ahead and, and read that together on the count of three. One, two, three. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now 5 verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Be followers of God. Be imitators of God. Mark Hankins said this. He said, walking in love is your greatest challenge. But he also said, it's your, also your greatest reward. You know, one preacher got really upset with another member of the church or another preacher. I don't remember what it was. And this was kind of a, a younger preacher. You know, sometimes young preachers are stupid. <laughs> Old preachers can be stupid too. But, you know, he was just really upset. <laughs> and... and he had a spiritual father nearby him, and a wise old minister told him, Now you might be able to whip a skunk, but you may not want to, because when you're finished, you'll smell just like him. <laughs> Clara Barton said this. One day, something had been done to her that was very vicious, and she had a friend and says, Oh, don't you... Remember what was done to you, don't you? Don't, doesn't, that, doesn't that bother you? Don't you remember it, her friend asked. She says, no. She said, I distinctly remember forgetting it. I distinctly remember forgetting it. And so holding on to the hurts of our past can poison our present and can limit our future. The way to get better and not be bitter is not to rehearse past situations. Have you ever discovered that the more you talk about old hurts, those old hurts never heal up? And so I believe the Spirit of God would have us to stop reliving the past. Because a person can never truly heal and never truly have a new beginning in their life if they're rehashing it Stop reliving it. Let it go. Don't let the past cripple you today. You don't want to know what Billy Graham said about it? Billy Graham said this. In one bold stroke, 
Forgiveness obliterates the past and permits us to enter in to the land of new beginnings. Billy was a wise man. Oh, man. I like that quote so well, I think I'll quote it again. Listen to this. In one bold stroke, one quality decision, forgiveness obliterates the past and permits us to enter in to the land of new beginnings. Now, what did Jesus say about this? Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. And this is a heart thing, guys. I mean, this is, you know, something that, you know, you'll just have to monitor in your own life. This is, this is a heart deal. It's real important. It's one of the fruit of the recreated human spirit. And how many of you know the Holy Ghost will check you? you you'll be, I mean, you'll be about to say something. The Holy Ghost will say, don't say that. Shut your mouth. Yeah. Right? Don't talk about that. That's history. That's over with. Now you keep it over with. Now notice Jesus said this. In Matthew 5th, the 5th chapter, 44th verse says this. Uh, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Say what? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And... After you're done talking about them for a few days, then pray for them. <laughs> no, in the same verse, he says, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. Which despitefully use you and persecute you. Hallelujah. Say it when they love, love bless, bless, do good, do good. And, pray. and pray. Now, here's another quote. We got a lot of quotes today. Martin Luther King Jr., good man, great man. Listen to what he said. He said, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Let's say that again. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Hallelujah. So here's what we do then. Look at Romans, the 12th chapter. Man, you guys listen so good. I wish you'd just stay for the next service. But I know you got to go have breakfast or something. Romans 12. Here's what we do. Say it with me. I'm not just a hearer of the word. But I am literally a doer of God's word that I have heard this morning. Now notice this, Romans the 12th chapter and verse 14. Jesus, uh, Paul, right into the church at Rome said, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Well, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. No, keep it, you need it. <laughs> no, he said, bless them. And then I love verse 21. We need to look at this verse of Romans chapter 12. At the end of all of these beautiful verses in Romans, Romans 12 is a life chapter. It is so rich. In verse 21, he says this, Be not overcome of evil. But here's what you do. You overcome evil with good. 
Is love good? Yes. Is forgiveness good? Yes. Is blessing people good? Yes. Is praying for them good? Yes. If you do those things, you shall not be, you shall not be overcome. <coughs> Stand up, everybody. Pastor Tom, if you go to the... <coughs> Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands right now. Let's just thank him for what we've heard today. So as they come, let me just recap this. Believe the love, receive the love, give the love. And the last one is you're going to reap love. I said you're going to reap love. I said you're going to reap love. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you reap kind words, if you sow kind words, you're going to reap them. If you sow love, you're going to reap love. Now I want to put 1 Corinthians 13 up. Verses 4 through 8. And I want us to make a confession of the love of God. Can we do that today? Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands first and just thank Him. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified Version. Oh, Father, we thank You. We desire Your manifestation. We desire Your goodness. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Love, the God kind of love endures long. Therefore, I endure long. I am patient and I'm kind. I'm never envious, nor do I ever boil over with jealousy. I do not display myself haughtily. Verse 5. I'm not conceited. I am not rude. God's love in me is not selfish. Verse 6. I am, this is a good one. I'm not touchy. I'm not, touchy. I'm not fretful. I'm not, I'm not resentful. I'm not resentful. As, a of fact, As a matter of fact, I let all resentment, all, resentment. all unforgiveness, all, unforgiveness. All, bitterness, all bitterness, I let it go. I, go. I, forgive. I forgive anyone, anyone. and anyone. That has ever wronged me during the course of my life. I let them go. I release the weight of it. I forgive as an act of my will. Hallelujah. Say with me, I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Verse 6, I do not rejoice at injustice, but I rejoice when right and truth prevail. Verse 7, hallelujah, I bear up under anything. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person. Verse 8, because I walk in love, I shall not fail. But I shall be a success in life. For the love of God flows through me unto others. I'm filled with compassion. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise right now.